Hi, welcome to the Grief Awakening Podcast. My name is Elise Duzo, and I'm a grief coach and Reiki practitioner here in Nashville, Tennessee. I help guide others who are grieving to reignite their relationships with their loved ones on the other side, helping them ease the ache of grief. This is a podcast where we can have open conversations about grief and loss, mediumship, science, and I'll even tell you my story as a young widow. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit that follow button. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram and intuitively underscore Elise. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Grief Awakening. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest to you. Um, Before I jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that we're doing something a little different this week. We're also doing a video version of this podcast episode. So if you'd like to watch uh, the video recording of this episode and this interview, you can head over to YouTube. I'm in the process of setting up the YouTube channel. And when it's already, the link will be in the show notes of this episode. So if you'd like to be able to see visually as well as listen, you can head over to that space. I'm going to try. I'm just I'm not committing to anything 100%, but I'm going to try and start putting out um, video versions of these episodes, especially since most of the episodes are already recorded on video. I'm just I'm just not a video editor. So um, it's going to be rough cuts, but uh, it's also available in that space. And um, I'm excited that you're here today. Uh, our guest today, Adrian Meyer, aka Addie, we connected via Instagram a few months ago now. And she is the owner of Bandit Branding. She does digital marketing and personal branding. Um, But she's also moving through grief. And I want to say that this is the first guest I've had on who is so early on in their grief journey and coming on to talk about their story. So um, huge shout out to, to Addie for being so brave and coming on the show to share your story with us today. Um, We're going to chat a little bit about her business, but also her story of um, losing her mom just six months ago in May of 2023 and how that has um, impacted her life. And she's made some huge, huge changes. And we're also going to talk about this amazing journal that she created, Finding Light and Loss. Um, There's amazing prompts in here. We're going to get into all of this and I'll have the link in the show notes for where you can find it if this is something you're interested in. But I just loved this conversation and I could, we could honestly chat for hours. Um, and if you liked this episode and want more content with Addie and I, you can head over to her podcast, which has just relaunched. Um, I'll leave the link for that in the show notes. It's called There's More Where That Came From. And I'm so excited for her that she's getting back into the podcasting space. Um, we talk about grief and business in that episode. Um, and it was so fun to record together and get to spend so much time together this week. Um, so thank you so much, Addie, for having me and also coming on to Grief Awakening. I know we're going to be connecting more in the future. Um, you're just so fun and a beautiful light and so great to talk to. So I appreciate you sharing your story with us. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Addie Meyer. Welcome back to Grief Awakening. I'm so excited to introduce my guest here today. Beautiful Adrienne Meyer. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. What a great way to spend a Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know how long it's been that we've been connecting on social media, but 
I know we talked about this on your podcast a little bit, but I'm so glad that you reached out. I know you had listened to the show and heard Anna Grace's podcast as mm-hmm. well. And now you're here, full circle of moment to tell Seriously. a little bit about your story and your mom and your business. And we're, I want to also talk about finding light and loss. <gasps> oh my gosh. That looks so cool to just like see someone yeah, like hang we have on to, to we it. have to talk about the journal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But will you just kind of start us off by telling us a little bit about you, what your background is? And then if you want to, I will give you space to talk about your mom and your relationship with her. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, So I'm Adrian Meyer. Um, All my close friends call me Addie. And so when you look on Instagram, I always have that on there. That's my little nickname. Um, I currently live in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm originally from Kansas. But if you like look at a map, Lincoln, Nebraska is just an hour actually north of where my family lives. We live right on the border in a tiny little town, like 600 people. I'm like like related to everyone there. Um, And so I currently live in Lincoln and I split my time between Lincoln and our farm. Um, It's like Hanover, Kansas is the name of the town. Um, And I farm with my dad too, which sounds weird to say out loud, but I grew up as a farm girl and I just like never really like owned the name of it. And finally this year after my mom had passed, which we'll get more into that, um, I was going back, like, I mean, splitting my weeks and I would go home like Thursday through Monday morning and I'm helping my dad out. And I was like, you know what? I am a farmer. Like I am farming right now. So I like to say I'm a farmer and I'm also a digital marketing strategist. I have my own digital marketing um, business where I work one-on-one with clients. I have a few people on my team and we help small businesses, um, but more specifically, personal brands um, help grow their business. So I'm really obsessed with people who want to use their name and likeness to be able to not only grow the business that they have now, but open up more opportunities. So that means I'm just, I'm really obsessed with storytelling. I love hearing people's stories and then figuring out ways of how to share that story, whether that's social media or email marketing or blogs. Um, and so that's what I do. I love that. I'm going to need to hire you actually. (laughs) I, I have some, I mean, I've been doing this since I've always been in sales and marketing and I feel like throughout my professional career, you know, you just niche down over time and make little twists and turns and pivots. And when I had moved to Scottsdale, I had gotten a job in sales and I was like in the hair industry at that time. So I was selling luxury hair care products to salons. And then that was really at the time of in 2016, this is when people were like, not just taking pictures of their food, but they were like, like the grainy filters. Like we were just starting to really (laughs) post it. Uh, So I came up during that time and I really started to become interested in oh my God, like influencer marketing. Like I loved that people could post about a product and it would influence other people to buy it outside of the brand, you know, as marketing team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of followed the yellow brick road of marketing. And after Scottsdale, I'd moved to LA 
And in LA, everyone has to have like six jobs to survive. So I was bartending. I was, what else? I was doing Uber Eats. I was bartending. I was doing Rover dog walking. I was like freelance marketing. I was going to auditions because I thought I wanted to be an actress, which (laughs) I still do. My dream is to be an actress on um, Young and the Restless or a Hallmark movie, a Christmas Hallmark movie. would be. I could see it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Whenever, I don't know if you do this, but whenever I watch like the Christmas Hallmark movies, and this is no shame on any of the actors, I just watch it. And, and I think I could literally do that. Like I could be that actor. I think I could be very, very even convincing. like your story, which we're going to talk about in a second. Like <laughs> even you like moving home to go work back on your family's farm and stuff no. like Hallmark movie, one thousand percent. It really is. It's Christmas uh, time, you know. Right? God, no. I, I actually that had come up a lot with a few of my friends back home because it was like your mom died. You know, you're coming back. You're working on the family farm. The only difference is I'm basically related to like everyone in my hometown. So it's like it has to be a traveler that comes in and swoops me off their feet or something like that. Uh so yeah. So I was in LA. And I got into doing freelance marketing and yeah, I just like stuck with it. And I've, I mean, I've seen it all. Like I've seen the influencer marketing and, you know, the affiliate marketing and just the vid, I mean, the coming and going of all of the trends as far, whether it's like reels or TikToks and doing dances, like it's, if you're still here and listening and you are in the digital marketing business and you've been here for a bit, I salute you because <laughs> it is hard out there. Yeah. So when you were living in LA and hustling and doing all those jobs, did you ever think, oh, I'm going to go back and work on the family farm? No. I Okay. So I had wanted to live there since I was seven. We went out there on a family vacation and we did the like Disneyland, like all the things that you do. And we had family that lived out there. And so I was just convinced that that is what life would be like when you move there. Like it's all like you go knock on some producer's door and they hire you. And that definitely was not how it was. Um, But I never saw myself coming back. I think like I knew the option was there, obviously. And my mom actually had always told me this. She was like, go do it because you can always come back home. Like you always can, but you can never go away and move. Or the older you get, the harder it's going to be. Or, you know, more life's responsibilities came up. So she was always super encouraging of me to like go out and do that. And so I look back at it now because we had moved from California back to Kansas right before COVID, like literally right before it started. And if I would have been in LA when COVID started, I mean, all of my jobs would have been affected, but I can't imagine what life would have looked like. And we lived in Venice, like a mile from the beach. Like it was such a great experience for a short amount of time. I was there for like three years. Um, And I remember being so sad when I left, but now looking back, I think it was such divine timing as far as how I was removed out of there. And honestly too, you know, I was able to be back when my mom started getting sick and I can't Mm -hmm. imagine if I wouldn't have lived nearby, how that would have felt. Yeah. Probably would have been a lot of um, regret or like guilt there for not have been been there during the process. Um, 100%. If you feel comfortable, let's talk about your mom a little bit and kind of like what that journey was 
into where you are now, which is about, you know, six months out now, right? Yeah. So my mom, I know everyone's going to say like their mom is the best person in the world, but my mom really was like the best person in the world. Uh, She just recently passed away on May 20th. She was only 58 years old. Um, And I love telling her story because I think it's very unique and kind of just like looking back on moving away. I think that there's a story within it that has like a deeper meaning, but she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease when she was 14 years old. So she was in eighth grade and just getting ready to become a high schooler. And she just hadn't been feeling well. She was starting to like, you know, be tired all the time. And this is back in the late seventies. And so they, you know, took her in and they found out she had Hodgkin's disease, which back then it was kind of treated not only as like, like a form of cancer, but it was kind of treated like you were tainted. Um, Mm -hmm. She had told me stories about how the kids at school and her classmates would pick on her and they wouldn't invite her to come do things. And like, you think about that as like a 13 year old girl and thinking like, there's something wrong with you. Like my heart just feels for that. And at that time, the treatment for that was like a radiation they were called cobalt treatments. And, you know, Hodgkin's lived like it's in this area, like by your neck and stuff. And so the radiation and those treatments just tore up tissues and arteries. And if you know anyone who probably had those treatments in the late seventies and early eighties, a majority of them are not alive. Like there are not a lot of studies or, you know, like, uh, what do I want to say? Tests that come back, you know, that people, like they, a lot of people are having, um, problems from that. So, When she turned, I think she was 36, she had her first heart attack and I'm 34. And I think about that all the time. And, you know, she had me and when they brought her in, she had ended up having a triple bypass and it was because all of her arteries and, and those piping pieces that she needs to be able to function were just tore to crap. Um, and so that's really where the journey started. So she, you know, she survived that when she was 14 and she was able to, you know, live a normal life and get married and have babies and, you know, work and do all those things. Uh, I always like to share pictures of her on my social media because she really, like, I look at them and I think like, you were so beautiful. Like, and that's not just saying that to say it, like she truly was like this aura where I'm like, no wonder you weren't here for that long because something that beautiful is not real at all. And like, I see those pictures and I feel that. And so she had that first scenario happen when she was like 36. And just from then they kind of told her, listen, you're always going to have something going on because of this. And so all we can do is monitor it and take care of it and just be proactive about it. And so it's a classic scenario of one thing would go wrong and then the next and then the next and the next. So she, you know, fought for, you know, a good over 20 years with this and, you know, multiple bypasses and replacements and medication and and things like that. And so a few years ago, uh, 2021, she had like a major heart surgery to be able to repair some pieces. And that was really scary because we were preparing for the worst. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my wake up moment too of this isn't going to last forever. Like we're fixing a problem right now. And I think that, 
you know, you never want to plan on your mom dying, but I had been preparing for it. And I, it sounds really morbid because I, I know that there was a lot of nights where I was like, don't think like that. But realistically, I was like, this is why you treat every day like it's your last. And I say that to say a lot of people don't have the opportunity to prepare for that, you know? And so when I think about my grief journey, I attribute a lot of, you know, the way that I've been healing to preparing in that way. So she had her heart surgery and it went great. Like she killed it. Like we, I mean, we were in there, we were having the time of our lives and we're like, yes, we've got to hold on this. Um, and one thing after another kind of started happening and then I'll speed this up, uh, over the last year. So a year ago, um, she started getting sick again, was just starting to have issues in other parts of her bodies because your heart is what you know pumps everything everywhere. And so she was having digestive issues and she went into the hospital and we were in there for a month, which anyone who has ever had a family member who has stayed in the hospital for, I mean, more than a week, my mm-hmm. heart goes out to you because not only does it play a toll on the patient, but I think it plays such a toll on our family. And we're from a really small town. So you know, we were having to go like it's three hours was the hospital from where my, you know, my parents lived oh and my, my dad, my dad's a farmer. And so that was one of those things where I took that responsibility and I, you know, had some really great friends and family that were able to be there throughout it as well. But for a whole month, I stayed there in that hospital or at a friend's house there in Kansas city. And my dad had to go back. Like we, we're feeding America. Like, you know, it was during harvest. It was during calving season. It was like, you know, that was hard. And so she made it out of that month long stay in the hospital. And that was last November. And from then it just wasn't the same. And, you know, May came along and it kind of been six months after that incident. And she got put back in the hospital. She got life flighted. Back down to Kansas City. We were there for about three weeks. And I think in my head, I always thought we were going to make it out of there. And I never thought that I was going to hear this, but they came in one day and they just said, There's nothing we can do. Mm. And it was weird because I felt like she was getting better. And I just, like, there was not, like, she was talking, like, we were having normal conversations, we were laughing that morning, we were, like, messing around with, we would always mess around with, like, the gloves and, like, you know, put on, like, little plays and stuff, and they came in and they said, we, there's nothing more we can do, and we think you have about three to six months to live, and even my mom and I were both just, like, it gives you the right to say that. And also we're having the time of our life right now. And that's kind of a bummer to put on this party. And that was the Thursday before Mother's Day. And so they, you know, I started learning about what hospice is and I never thought I was going to have to figure out what that was. And we started making the plan for her to go home. And naively, I was like, okay, three to six months, that's all of summer or that's all of summer and fall. Great. We're going to make it the best ever. And she got home and three days later, she passed away in our living room. 
Um, we had a bunch of family there. My best friend, she drove up. She was able to be there. She was like sitting right next to me and watched her take her last breath. And I will tell you that the day before that, I did not see that happening. Like that morning when I woke up, she had a really bad night that night. Um, but I didn't think that was going to happen. But one thing that like I don't I've never talked to anybody about you're the first person is when she got put on hospice I didn't understand the level of care that was needed and I mean we had to lift her up out of a bed to go to the bathroom like she Mm -hmm. couldn't do anything she was so weak and I remember like that first night thinking how am I going to do this for three months how am I going to do this for six months and I have really dark humor. So does my mom. So I can say this, but you know, afterwards we joked, she was probably like, these fuckers aren't going to be able to take care of me. So I need to speed up the process here. Cause this is not going to be good. But I think, I think we did pretty good, but I mean, just the medication, like everything to keep track of, I feel for anyone who has a family member in hospice because it's a lot to keep track of. It's, it's stressful. Um, I don't know who I would be if I would have had to go through that longer than three days, Mm. but I think that all happens for a reason, I'm sure. So that's my mom's health journey story, which sounds awful, um, but she was just the most purest, funniest person you've ever met. So I'm glad I have the memories that I do, and I'm glad that I was able to take care of her in the ways that I could. And so, yeah, that's her story. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. vulnerably sharing all those pieces. <laughs> when you were saying that you and her were just having like the time of your life in the hospital for those few weeks, like I can just from that, I can feel like her energy and probably what what she was like and what your relationship. I think that's a huge testament to your relationship with one another, mm-hmm. which I just love. Um, do you feel like that last push of her like? being vibrant you're like no I think she's getting better I hear of that a lot of like people Mm -hmm. when they're at the end of their life they have these moments of clarity or it seems like they're getting better did Mm -hmm. that ever cross your mind that this is just like that last little push and we're actually headed down a different road I think I was really naive about it um, because she, they had told us that I think on a Thursday. And so that weekend, we kind of knew it was the last weekend. And, you know, I had told my dad I was, he was going to come down on that Monday because they were going to kind of give us the hospice plan. Well, that day before was Mother's Day. And so I knew if they were right about three to six months that this would be my last Mother's Day with my mm-hmm. mom. And so it's like, but that's not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to spin it in a hospital. And I, I think I, I wanted it to be special for her, you know? Um, sorry. Uh, I've already been crying while you're talking. Um, and so my mom's like just one of those people who she always cares about everybody else. And, you know, even when she was in the hospital, like she was making sure she could keep track of everybody and what everybody's whereabouts were. And so we had planned the day, like we were, it was just going to be me and her all day in the hospital. And so I remember I went to Target and I got all of these like little things to give her like a pedicure and do a facial. And I've got Pepsi. Pepsi was like her (laughs) favorite drink Um, and like some candy and stuff. 
And so like, that's what we were going to do that day. And I mean, at this point, because we had been there so much, the nurses and I, and like, you know, we were, we were cool, you know, we, we had the cool family. We're fun. And also like we, you know, I think we presented ourselves really well and we made sure we like took care of the staff there too, because like, that's not easy. A lot of these nurses are coming in for the shift and they're like, wait, you were just told you have what? And, you know, that's not their fault that the patient is, you know, distraught about it. And so I remember that morning the nurse came in and she was like, you guys want to go for a walk today? Which at that point, we had not been anywhere. Like my mom wasn't walking. She could be in a wheelchair. She hadn't left the hospital floor and they were like, go. And so they hooked us up and they let me take her loose all over the hospital. Honestly, I can't believe that's legal. It's probably not. So I don't know, you know, Um, but we, I remember we were going around and like walking down all the little corridors and things like that. But I look back on that and that was like her best day from the two big stages that she had been there. Um, a lot could have gone wrong and nothing did. We ate lunch in the cafeteria and it was chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. And it actually was really good. And that's like one of her favorite things. So it was like, that's what we ate for lunch. And we went outside and we were like sitting by these flowers. And I have some pictures from that day that I like to share every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to spend a lot of time outside and that was really nice. And I still think on that day, I thought there's no way that this is like, like we're okay. And I think yeah. that helps me keep my optimism up because instantly when they said that I was like, I have to be strong for her. Like, I can't be sad about this. Like, obviously I'm sad. I'm, I'm losing my mom, mm-hmm. but I went into straight planning mode and I was like, all right, I got to pack my bag. I'm moving home for the summer and I'm going to let all my clients know what's going on. I mean, I don't know who that girl like I look back on that week and I don't know who that girl is because mm-hmm. I've never met her before, but that girl is someone who gets shit done. And, yeah. you know, I told my friends and I told like my best friend, she hadn't seen my mom. And I was like, I really want you to see her before anything bad happens. Cause I want her to remember, I want you to remember her in a different way. And so I think that was something that my friends appreciated was me telling them this is what's going on and this is what has to happen. And like, this is how I need you to show up for me. Um, and yeah, I just went into fight or flight mode, I think. And yeah. we went home and we made everything nice for her, which my mom was like a homebody. Like she was a typical farmer's wife, but loves her house. And so I was glad. I think that's all she wanted was to just get home. Like, I think that was what she was working for. And that's why she like kept her spirits up. Yeah. I mean, you clearly pulled that strength from somewhere, probably came from the love of your mom and wanting her to have a the best possible experience she can mm-hmm. making that transition. Um, did you ever give yourself the opportunity to just let yourself feel what was going on? Or do you feel like that came later? I did on my own. Yeah. Um, the second time, well, like, okay. So the second time after the first time we spent in the month, I was like, this is not our first rodeo. Actually. I don't know if I have it in here. I have a sign. 
It's a tin sign and it says, this isn't, my, this ain't my first rodeo. And when she went to the hospital in May, after the November experience, we brought the sign with us and we had it in the room. And so that was kind of our motto. The whole entire stay was, this isn't our first rodeo. Like we've been here, we've done this. Um, so I think I stayed really strong in front of her, but she's a mom. She mm -hmm. knew. Um, but the second time, you know, I knew we're going to be here for a little bit. Let me get an Airbnb. Like, let me have a place that I can go and work and cook dinner and sleep in a bed and do my own laundry because loved hotels. I had a friend that I stayed with as well, and, and I'm so thankful for his hospitality. But when you are out of your element and you're feeling all of those emotions, there has to be something that remains the same. For me, it was like being able to make food. Like if I could make my breakfast or make my dinner, if my dad was there, like he didn't feel like a fish out of water. So those times where I had a place to go back to, that's when I fell apart. Like that's when I was like a mess about things. But I yeah. always tried to keep it together <laughs> when mm -hmm. I, you know, was around, you know, was around her because she's a mom, like she worries. And I, I knew that she knew I was falling apart, but I wanted to stay strong for her too. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. So here we are six months out now, like you're an only child, correct? Mm -hmm. yep. How has grieving been as an only child and like being the only person who can grieve her as mom. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I have a lot of different feelings about it. Um, the first one I get from, and that was kind of influenced by a lot of people uh, because there's like an obvious elephant in the room. I'm not married and I don't have kids and I'm an only child. Mm. So the first thing you think of is like, well, she's not going to be there when I get married or like when I have my first kid. Right. Yeah. So that's really tough. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> on the other side of that, I think about if I would have been married or if I had kids. And obviously life looks a lot different, right? Like I I wouldn't have the same relationship that I had with my mom because I would have been sharing her with someone. Um, you know, like moms just act different when they're all of a sudden grandmas. They don't treat <laughs> you like you're a little kid anymore. They like the, your kids. Like my friends that have kids, I'm like, your mom likes your kids more than they like you, right? Yeah, and it does nothing, come off that way sometimes. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I started to realize, I was like, dude, I was never supposed to get married and have kids before I lost her. Because I wouldn't have had the same experiences and memories and laughs and giggles and trips that we took like I did. And so for that, I'm really thankful. So I've been able to look at that from two different ways. Mm -hmm. um, it's made a lot of days feel really lonely and feels like you're the only one experiencing it. Um it makes you feel like no one else understands, but also like going back to the whole flip side of things. That's what's so cool. It's like no one ever will have the same relationship or experience that I did with her. And I think that's a really special, a really special thing, but it's a constant navigation. Like I'm going to be going through my first holiday. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, being an only child and my dad's a farmer, it's like, that's going to look a lot different. Like all of these traditions and things that we did, you know, she was in charge of that. (laughs) And so I think I'll have like, you know, a bunch of different thoughts throughout the holidays that I definitely am going to have to take some time doing shadow work on and exploring that, but it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And it's, we can look at the, right. They say, oh, look, grass is greener on the other side. It's not always greener. There might be certain aspects where it looks nice, but like you'd be able to look at that and be like, well, I wouldn't have the relationship with her. I I have Mm -hmm. now. If I had kids and the family and the whole thing, like it probably would have been harder for you to show up to during that time period. Uh, That made me think of uh, a great example that I lead to this is my I lost my grandma. My mom lost her mom at a fairly earlier age. I think my Mm. grandma was in her 60s, but it was like because of a procedure, like she went in for a a heart procedure and did not come out of it. And that was very traumatizing. And I remember when my grandma had passed, it was around the same time of year. It was like Memorial weekend was coming up. And my, my mom is from a big family, like there's six of them. Um, and everyone's married and has kids. Um, like multiple kids and stuff. And I remember the day after my my grandma's funeral and we all go out to the house afterwards. That's what we do in the Midwest is, you know, you, you go back to the farmhouse and you have lunch and just everyone's there. And I remember at the end of the day, everyone left, like everyone had to go back home and because everyone had kids, you know, and they had to sleep in their beds. And I remember how sad my grandpa was. And I thought about that. And I thought for their entire marriage, there's never been an empty house. And all of a sudden one day it's gone. Mm -hmm. And that tore me up. And I remember like, there was nothing we could do about it. Like one of my aunts, you know, she had a little one and she was pregnant with her next one. And I remember how sad she was having to go back home, but you have responsibilities, right? And so I knew that that's what I didn't want it to feel like. I didn't want to leave my dad. I didn't want to like leave him there or think that he was like abandoned and everything had changed. So that's been a really huge adjustment of I never expected myself to feel like like my whole life changed. Like, you know, like like I had this responsibility and I'm sure you can, you know, agree with that. It's like one day your life is this life and literally the next day everything about your life has changed and that was a grief journey that i haven't expected i i think i knew i'm going to grieve my mom dying i yeah. didn't realize that i was going to grieve the old adrian dying who oh my on, god yes who on may 21st like yeah. she's not that girl anymore you know and i've had friends who have said like i know you're not okay and that's okay but like, you're different. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know. And like, su- it sucks. I miss her. Like, she was a good time. This new Adrian is a good time. <laughs> but she's like a little bit more responsible now. Or like, her mm-hmm. thoughts are different. Um, And I do miss that old Adrian sometimes. But that old Adrian, she was, you know, she was the only child. She was the daughter. She was the little girl. She was the fearless person who, you know, like that typical little girl. And so that's been a grieving process that I haven't expected 
to go through. Yeah, that is a huge piece that I, I think is not talked about a lot is when you lose someone, you're also grieving a past version of yourself mm-hmm. a lot of times. Like your identity as everything you that you were to that person. Mm-hmm. Also, like, you know, losing a mom as an only child or losing a partner, like huge identity shift and like what your life looks like now moving forward in the future too. And like grieving the things that would have happened, like her being at your wedding or, you know, me having a wedding, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in general. So yeah. Um, I totally see that and feel that. Um, I saw on Instagram, I was looking back at some of your previous posts and you had said that you feel more at home in your home because you can feel her there. Like that's mm-hmm. where you feel her the most. Has that made that transition back to being at the farm? Yeah. A better experience for you because you can feel connected to her there. I I feared for a really long time um, when she was in the hospital. And even between the two big stays, she was going to the local hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming home on like certain days to like grab some stuff or like take care of them, some things. And I remember how empty the house felt because she wasn't there. And I was afraid that when she passed, that's how it was going to feel. But I realized you know, those times where she was still alive and wasn't there, it was very absent because I knew she was at the hospital. But now I, f- I feel her everywhere. Like I love being there. That's where I crave to be. Um, and it's a mixture of things. It's I'm getting signs. I'm cooking in her kitchen. I, you know, everything looks I mean, my dad and I have done a really great job keeping the place clean, so she'd be really (laughs) proud of that. But like a lot of, you know, her clothes are still in the closet. And one thing about my mom is she had really good taste and her and I went shopping together. So I've gotten like, I've inherited a whole closet of like really cute clothes. And so it's just, I, no matter if I'm in the house or if I'm out in the pasture or, you know, somewhere nearby that feels, I feel like she's there and I did feel crazy for a little bit until I started doing the work, which is how I found you and your Mm -hmm. podcast. And I started to understand that this isn't crazy. This is an experience. And I'm really lucky to be able to experience this in this way. And so I almost crave more of it, right? Like when I'm not there, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait till I go there because I wonder what's going to happen this time. Mm, like you're hoping every time you go home, there's some kind of new feeling of connection, whether it be a sign or mm-hmm. something new that you do. I mean, yeah. I'll have to show more of this, but my mom was like a planner. Like she was Pinterest before Pinterest was Pinterest. We have <laughs> no, like we have a filing cabinet and my mom would like always take out newspaper clippings or magazines and file them. We found an entire like binder folder of wedding ideas. And if you think about this, she for you for me. <laughs> and these these aren't things that she like compiled last year. These are things that she compiled like when I was in grade school. Like things that she would just find and love like floral arrangements. And so I have this idea that someday when I get married, like I 
I'm not one of those girls who likes to plan details. Like I can yeah. get two bits less. Like it is not that for me. And I always knew I was like, my mom's dream would be to plan this wedding. And I just have made a conscious decision that when that day comes, I'm just going to pull out the binder and like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It's already she's already planned. planned it for you. She's already planned it. And a lot of my aunts and stuff have said she prepared you for this. And what they, what I mean by that too is, you know, all of her recipes are there. If I need to know how to cook a meatloaf, like I have the recipe, um, all of her filing cabinet things, like everything she had meticulously thought out and saved and put somewhere. And so that's the other thing. It's like, you know, we're never going to run out of light bulbs and batteries. I don't think in my lifetime, like she had, I mean, we had so much food on hand that like my dad and I, you know, we have to go to the grocery store to get necessities, but she is still taking care of us mm-hmm. even when she's like not in physical form. And I think yeah. that has been probably one of the coolest experiences too. Yeah. She's still mothering you. Oh, 100%. even from the other side. Oh yeah. my God. Uh, so beautiful. I, I am I've been crying <laughs> a lot through this uh, conversation. <laughs> oh girl, welcome uh, to my life. <laughs> I apologize for my nose dripping, but um, one thing we talk about a lot on this podcast is finding ways to feel connected to your loved ones. And one way I'm doing that now is with Memorial Jewelry. I'm so excited to have partnered with Still Remains Jewelry to create a beautiful piece of jewelry made with the ashes of my loved one, Jared. Raylan, the owner of Still Remains, never expected to start a jewelry business until her mom got a necklace with her grandmother's ashes in it and she saw the comfort it brought her when she wore it every day. Raylan knew she wanted to create special pieces like that to bring joy and comfort to others. I reached out to Still Remains in hopes to create a beautiful ring to emulate the look of my engagement ring. They were so incredibly kind and thoughtful in helping me choose the best design and options, and it was so easy to place an order on their website where you can choose options from stone size, materials such as gold, rose gold, and silver, sterling silver to adding sparkle or dried flowers to the stone. They also make beautiful earrings, necklaces, and adorable stacking rings to go with. Still Remains makes it so easy by sending you a collection kit in the mail with detailed instructions and a prepaid return shipping label to send back your kit. I just did an unboxing video of my amazing ring on Instagram. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It could not be any more perfect, and I'm so excited to carry a piece of my partner with me everywhere I go. Still Remains is so generously giving my podcast listeners 10% off your order of Ash Jewelry with the code ELISE10 at checkout. That's A-L-Y-S-E 10 at checkout. Be sure to follow their Instagram to see all the beautiful pieces Raylan has created at Still Remains Jewelry on Instagram and order at stillremainsjewelry.com and enter Elise 10 at checkout. Okay, I want to talk about finding light and loss. And like, I cannot believe, first of all, that you're six months out and that you've already created something from this journey that you've been on, which is like, I mean, we were talking yesterday about where I was six months out. You know, I was in a dark place. So like for you to have created something so beautiful for not only for you, but for other people moving through grief, like how, (laughs) how did you get the, you know, the strength or even like the courage to put something like this out? Okay. So when I am, I going back to the whole like digital marketing thing, I am an Instagram girly, like an OG Instagram girly. Like, give me a pretty picture and a beautiful caption. Like, let's make Instagram Instagram again, first of all. I'll die (laughs) on that hill. I just like, come on, you guys. I'm not supposed to be dancing 
uh, on videos here. Like, Adrian for president. Let's make Instagram. <laughs> Let's get t-shirt. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so I, where my, my dad and my mom, I still call it my parents' house, where they live. Um, it doesn't really have great cell phone service. It's changing mm-hmm. a little bit now, but like up until like six months ago, if I really wanted to make, like, if I want to make a phone call, if I like have a client call, I have to be over by like a certain cattle pin and like putting it on I there. remember so- like you and I were going to connect. I don't remember if it was Zoom or we were just going to do like a FaceTime, but we couldn't get a hold of each other. Yep. Because yep. you were at the farm. Yeah. 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 And I don't think all my other neighbors have this problem. I don't know what it is in our like little nook of the world, but it's also been the best thing because I can't consciously be scrolling. Like mm. I-, I can only go so far. So I you know, is having a lot of these thoughts. And also too, you know, you're, you just lost someone and you, all of these pictures are there and being an OG Instagram girly, I wanted to share that. Like I wanted to show people that I was hurting and I wanted to show people that this wasn't something that like anybody planned for. I wanted to show like, look how beautiful this person is. Like I wanted to share that with someone. And I think a part of that was I didn't have anyone else to share it with. Um, My dad doesn't have Facebook, right? Like my aunts do, but I just needed something to put out there. And so I had started writing um, almost like like a journal entry on my phone. And it was because at night, like it wasn't that I couldn't sleep at night. It was just that like everything gets so quiet, <laughs> like in the country, it like so quiet and you're just sitting there with your thoughts. And so I would like either get out my journal or my, you know, notepad on my phone and I would just start writing. And then the next day I would, you know, take a picture of my thought and I would, you know, send it out there. And I started to get a lot of like really positive attention for like mm-hmm. what I was saying. And I remember one of my first posts that I wrote I I went to back back to work really quickly because I work one-on-one with clients so I can work from home and the town where I'm living is only like an hour from the farm. So I remember I went to back, back to work really quickly and I was meeting a client at a coffee shop and I shit you not I get in that coffee shop and there's every different age group of a mom and daughter. There's a mom and a little girl, there's a mom and a teenage girl, there's a mom and someone my age and I like it wasn't I was mad, I was sad. I was trying to keep it together cuz I was going to meet a client and that was one of the first posts I ever shared. And the feedback that I got from people, one, it made me feel seen and heard and it, it had people talking to me and I, I liked that attention if I'm being a hundred percent honest because uh, I wasn't getting it anywhere. I lost a motherly figure who was the person who was calling me three times a day, who was yeah. asking what I was having for supper, who like my mom and I talked four to five times a day with like whether it was we're sending Instagram things together, we were sending Facebook messages or texting or calling. Um, and so that all of a sudden was gone. And so I think when I started to share that, I started to receive this female attention that I was craving. Mm -hmm. And so I started sharing more and more 
um, and kind of starting that conversation. But then I just started writing more because I was having more of these thoughts. And I don't know who told me this, um, but I remember getting the advice of someone that said, don't stop writing. Like, please keep writing. Like, even if you don't share it, just keep writing. And I like have this big dream someday to write a book. But at the time, I couldn't have told you what the book was going to be about. I just, I was like, maybe it'll be business and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, I always see all those like Jenna Kutcher just wrote a book or Rachel Hollis. And so I thought, oh, that's going to be the type of book I want to write. Like my book is going to be in Target. That is my dream. And so all of a sudden I was like, this will be the book. Like the book is going to be about my mom, a hundred percent. And so as I started writing, you know, I say it in the journal, like in the first page, I'm like, there's some days where you know exactly what to write because maybe it's a memory or an experience or something that happened. But there's also a lot of other days where you don't know what to write, but you know that you should. And so I just started making these journal prompts of, you know, on the days where you don't know what to say, what do you say? And I love in our English comp class in high school, we always did a journal entry every day and our teacher would have the journal prompt on the board. And I think there's something really fun and creative about that. So Mm -hmm. started writing down those journal prompts. And then to be truthfully honest with you, I'm a Canva girly and being a digital marketer, I create things all the time. And I just started doing research and I was like, I can make a journal. Like I can, I can do this. And I refer to my journal as like my Jolene because Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I will always love you on the same day. And this journal literally took me one day to put together. And I think that that was, is such a testament to if you have a pull on your heart and idea and you have you know the time to do it just sit down and start working on it it really doesn't need to take as long as you think um and the right people will find it and so i put it together i like went through the process you know to print it and i actually i just took some branding photos for it cuz i want to you know really push it out this holiday season cuz i think a yeah. lot of people could use it but yeah i just wanted maybe there was other people that could use it and also too there's not a lot of great grief resources in the sense of, you know, when someone dies, yes, I love all the plants and I love the casseroles, mm-hmm. like don't <laughs> stop sending them, but people also, coming. Yeah. But also I was like, I think someone else would really like this. And, you know, I've had a, a lot of people who have said, oh my gosh, my friend's mom just passed away or this just happened. I'm going to send this to them. Mm-hmm. And that's been so cool just to know that other people kind of see the need in that too. And I hope it's the start to, you know, I try not to be like this sad girl energy, but I love it because it's such a community and when you find something that makes you feel better, whether it's writing an Instagram post to share, when you get that adrenaline, that's that can carry you through the whole day. And sometimes that's just what you need is one thing to get you through today. Like I'm not worried about tomorrow. Yeah. I'm worried about today. And so I kind of hope that when people are writing in this, that's what they needed today. And now they can power through the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've talked a lot about on this show about how like journaling was a huge thing for me. I've always journaled, but like very infrequently, but after I lost my partner, it became like a regular thing daily or every other day of journaling, just like writing how I was feeling that day or even writing to him. Mm -hmm. I love that this journal 
give space for that. But also I think some of the prompts could help someone like maybe think about some things or work through some things in their grief that they hadn't thought about before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what One of the prompts in there is like, what's one of your favorite holiday memories? And yeah. like, I think those are things that we think of, mm-hmm. but my biggest fear was that I was going to forget her or other people were going to forget her. And I think too, having something that you can go back and read your thoughts on it, or maybe a new memory comes up and you can like add to it. Yeah. And I think that for me, I don't know if this was for you. That was one of the motivations behind sharing on social media too, is like, I just don't want people to forget him. Mm -hmm. And you don't want people to forget your mom and like the beautiful light and energy that she was is Mm -hmm. right. I always talk about them in present tense and um, because they're here with you. Um, Let's really quick. I know we're getting close on time here, but I want to go back to the ways that you feel her. And let's talk about some of the sign stories that have popped up because you told me such a cool one about the hummingbird. And I want everyone here to hear it as well. Yeah. Um, Okay. So... We both share the love for the book signs. I still have to finish it, but yeah. <laughs> I, I will. I will finish it. I like doing an audio version, and like I have the other one on my nightstand. Um, but so right when she was passing, like we could tell it was like happening. Um, some of my family members that were there, they like went out on the deck, like they left the room, and they had told us later that you know, around the time that she would have passed, this hummingbird was flying around everybody standing out on the deck. And so, you know, when my grandma had passed, we had started, you know, the the typical signs, the cardinals, the coins, the feathers. And, you know, my mom had always been big on that. She was always looking for a way to still stay connected with her mom. And I went along with it. I was like, okay, yeah, like, got it. Cool. Uh, not that I don't believe this, but this is getting a little out of hand. Now I'm a firm believer in it. And so that hummingbird happened right when she passed. The next morning I had gotten up and, you know, it's Sunday morning. I could just lost my mom, not even like 12 hours ago. And I went outside on the deck and I, you know, I just started like crying. Like I, I, it was one of those cries where you feel the tears coming down before mm-hmm. your brain recognizes that you're crying. It was mm-hmm. like that type of scenario. And right as I started crying, this hummingbird like zoomed by me and it was like kind of in the same place. And I just, I just knew that that's what that was. I knew that that was her. And it wasn't because someone had told me that it was just this feeling of, it's like when you know someone's in your house. Like if you have a guest over, you're at your parents' house and you know they're downstairs, you just know they are. It was that feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I can describe it is it's just like when you know someone's coming over to your house and who they are and that's who it is. So that was the hummingbird that had first happened. And then later on that day, we're preparing for funeral arrangements. So, you know, this is Memorial Weekend. Like we're cleaning outside the first lawn mowing thing of season like people are coming over we gotta right i was like Like, we haven't cleaned the yard doing right we haven't cleaned the yard since last summer yeah great but also that was a great time for people to come over and help they're like what do you need help with i'm like actually we need this tree cut down in the backyard and you want to get back there um we need the gutters cleaned out of the house i mean i mean when people ask what they can do i was like i'll give you a job uh but we were cleaning out you know on the deck there was like a table my mom had i mean she was a decorator so there was like a table 
table and all of these like knickknacks and birdhouses and things. And I said out loud, I said, I wonder if we should move the table from here to over here. And this hummingbird like aggressively zoomed, like almost hit me in the face. And it was that same feeling, but it was like, I said out loud, no, don't move that. Like I could hear my mom saying, don't move that. I put that there for a reason. It looks good where it is. And it was <laughs> like, I, and I said out loud, I go, that oh, fine. Never mind. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, and it hummingbirds back. don't do that, by the way. They really? typically like try to, they don't really go close to people. I, in my experience, like they stay at a distance. I feel like they're very um, weary of humans. Um, so when they like for a hummingbird to come that close to you, that is like in your face. Hello, hello, hello. Like I'm here. Oh my god! Don't move my furniture. <laughs> no, for real. I'm a typical mom. Like she just like so. And we still haven't moved the deck furniture. Like they still still where it's at. So yeah, oh, I just love that. Yeah. No, I think the signs thing though. Like and that's you know that's such a simple level of you know, knowing that you're mm -hmm. not alone, which is sometimes all you need. Yeah. But I'm excited to learn more about those things too and mm -hmm. figure out those meanings, which is, I think those are like, even just learning and educating myself, that's kind of the era that I'm entering in right now is, okay, now that the dust has settled a little bit, where do I want to ex start exploring this relationship more? Which, you know, when I had met you, that's what I was so excited about. And, you know, things like Reiki and um, like Akashic Records, like those terms have been coming up in, mm -hmm. you know, just what I've been reading. And so I'm like, okay, this, I think this is like the next step for me is now like, let's go a level deeper into what all of this means. Yeah. You're like, I want to know more. Where can I get more of this? Like, yeah. I think once you get a little taste of the connection, mm -hmm. you're like, okay, that felt so good. Let's, I want more. Let's keep this going. And then so all of a sudden you're like in full blown spirituality. You're just like right. doing all the things. And um, I love watching people's journeys progress as they get into this. I've seen it with my coaching container women and um, how they're starting to like dive in, like just full head into the water of spirituality. And it's not necessarily about that. That's not what it's about. It's about building the connection with your loved one in spirit. Um, but if that, it's a piece of it. I think that's so beautiful. Right. So I'm excited to see where you grow this connection and even maybe like how grief plays into your business, especially with the journal and which I'm going to link for everyone to get on Amazon in the show notes. Um, but other than that, tell everyone where they can find you. How can they connect with you? Um, if they have a small business and want to maybe work with someone on branding, how can they get in touch with you for that? Yeah. Okay. So my personal Instagram is Hey Yo Adrian. Um, and that's where, you know, message me. That's where I post a lot of like my grief, like journey things, um, stories on my mom. My business is at bandit underscore branding and our website is bandit-branding.com and so that's a lot of fun work stuff we share things about our clients little tips and tricks um and then i have a podcast and yeah. that's called there's more where that came from which i will have an episode with elise on here as well we did a little swap mm -hmm. so that will be really exciting i'm excited for everyone to hear that and so facebook adrian meyer and that's where you can find me 
Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm so glad we've finally like really gotten to connect and get to know each other. I think we're going to be best friends now. I've adopted you. So yep. Yep. It's Um, happening. Yeah. There's more where this came from. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Adrian. I love it. Thank you. This is so much fun. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Grief Awakening Podcast. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave it a rating and a review, and don't forget to hit that plus sign button or the follow button so you don't miss another episode. As always, any resources mentioned during this episode will be listed in the show notes below. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so via email or on Instagram at intuitively underscore Elise. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. 